in our context here in the book of Jeremiah, Judah has experienced the final captivity at the hands of the Babylonians. King Zedekiah has suffered a mock trial where he witnesses the murder of his own sons. His eyes are put out and he is bound in chains. The city is plundered and ransacked and only the poor remain in Judah. And the Bible shows us that in chapter number 39, really in verses 5 through 10. The only ones that are left are the poor. And Jeremiah was the man who had completely prophesied that this was going to happen. And so in chapter number 42, we find some individuals, and they are coming to Jeremiah, and they're asking him to go and to pray to the Lord for them. And so this is where we want to pick up in Jeremiah 42. And we come here this morning because for the next few messages leading up to next Sunday... This morning, tonight, and most likely Wednesday night, and most likely even next Sunday morning, we're going to speak about two words that we find together numerous times in the Scriptures. And most of the time when they are found together, they are found so because they are describing the Lord Jesus Christ. And Maranatha Baptist Church has been here for 75 plus years, I say plus, because we're a few months after the actual anniversary date. But Maranatha Baptist Church has been here for 75 years, not because of who we are. Because honestly, we're frail, and we are flesh, and we can only praise God that He would use simple vessels like us to do His work. But He does, doesn't He? But Maranatha Baptist Church has been here for 75 years, because our God is faithful and true. He is faithful and true. Now, we come to this passage here this morning. We're going to read a lot of Scripture this morning. Don't go to sleep on me. We'll do it quickly or as quickly as we possibly can this morning. But we come here this morning, and this is kind of a, it's kind of a hard passage. It's it, it, not hard to understand whatsoever. It's going to be easy to understand, but... It's kind of hard because of what we find in the passage. But what we do find in these chapters, chapter 42, 43, and 44, is simply this, is that God is faithful and true. And because of that, the same message that Brother John Seton preached 75 years ago when this church started is the same message that we preach today. The same Bible that was preached from 75 years ago is the same Bible, the same Word of God, the same message. The, by the way, the same Great Commission is still the same Great Commission it was 75 years ago. By the way, the same holiness 75 years ago is still the same holiness today. By the way, the same expectations that God has for His children are still the same today. Boy, we sure live in a different culture, don't we? Than they lived in 75 years ago. And even in church culture, by the way, kids, I haven't forgotten you. I'm going to dismiss you. But even in, because they're like, man, uh, Pastor, I hear enough of you. I'm ready to go listen to Miss Beverly. Look, even in church culture, we, we, we have a generation, my generation, and maybe the generation behind me, 
we have, got, we have gotten young men, in, even in church culture, who believe they're the smartest generation that has ever lived when it comes to church. Can I tell you, church today ought to be the same as it was 2,000 years ago. Not just 75 years ago, but 2,000 years ago. And here in chapter number 42, let's go ahead and read. You're there, and if you're there, and if you're physically able, stand with me if you will. We're going to read six verses, actually seven. We'll go ahead and let the kids be dismissed to junior church and to toddler church this morning. Jeremiah chapter number 42 And so if you want a title for the message this morning, it's very simple, Faithful and True, Part 1. Faithful and True, Part 1. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Then all the captains of the forces, and Johanan the son of Kerea, and Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least, even to the greatest, came near, and said unto Jeremiah the prophet, Let, we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us, Unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. Now by the way, sounds good so far, doesn't it? Sounds great. Finally, after all these years, they're coming to Jeremiah and they're saying, we're going to do what God says. Okay, verse 4. Then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God. Notice this, according to your words. So Jeremiah is going to pray, but he's going to pray their words. He's going to pray what they have asked him to pray. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. Now notice verse 5. This is where we find the words. Verse 5, Then they said to Jeremiah, The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. By the way, still sounds good, doesn't it? They are really testifying and condemning themselves in verse number 5. Because they said, Let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not even according to all things for which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God. Now, by the way, when he says evil there, he's not, t- he's not saying that the Lord is going to tell them to do something evil. He's saying if we like it or if we don't like it. If it's good to us or if it seems evil to us. He said we're, we're, we're going to obey it to, to whom we send thee. That it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Now I want you to drop down to verse 20. Verse number 20 of chapter 42, he said, For ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. That word dissembled, it means to conceal one's true motives. It means to mask and to hide. And so Jeremiah has come back with the answer, and we'll get to that in just a moment, in verses 7 down, catching up to verse 20. But they had come to Jeremiah, and they'd asked him to pray for them. But in their hearts, they they had already made up their mind what they were going to do. They didn't care what Jeremiah said. By the way, they didn't care what God said. They had already made up in their mind what they were going to do. 
And so I come to us this morning very simply. This is going to be probably out of the messages over the next week. This is probably going to be the hardest one because it's, it's, it's a hard passage not to understand, but because sometimes it kind, of, it kind of gets us where we're at because these folks had already made up their minds. This is what we're going to do, but we're going to feign and we're going to masquerade and we're going to counterf- excuse me, counterfeit and pretend that we really want to know what God thinks. And so this morning I want us to see, hey, God is faithful and true. And His Word will always stand. It will always stand. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what culture thinks. It matters what God says. And so I pray that we'll see that this morning. God, help us today. Teach us. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. God, help us when we're finished with this message today. Help us to say amen. Help us to say, Lord, I agree with you. Lord, I, I know I have an opinion, but Lord, it, it, it's in contradiction to you. Lord, amen. Lord, help me to agree with you because you are faithful and true. May that be our hearts today. Help our children. Help Miss Beverly. She teaches, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me give you, I want to give you five statements, or really just five truths this morning. As we think about this matter of faithful and true, we, we, are, we are dealing with the fact that God's character is trustworthy, He's faithful, and God's counsel is true. That, that's what we're dealing with when we deal with these two words, faithful and true. His character is trustworthy. He's dependable, He's reliable, He's faithful, He's going to be there, Right? Always. He's always faithful. He's never going to fail. And then true, His counsel, uh, who He is, is just truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 6. He is true. But number one this morning, I want us to see this. And we're going to walk our way through these chapters this morning. So uh, read along with me if you will. But number one, I want us to see this. And we already read verses 1 through 6. And we already read verse number 20. So I'll give you number one. We see first of all the phony prayer. The phony prayer. Now, by the way, it was, Jeremiah's prayer wasn't phony. He was praying what they wanted him to pray. But their prayer was phony. They came to Jeremiah and they said, Look, Jeremiah, we want to know God's way. We want to know what way He wants us to walk. We want you to pray for us to Him. And then Jeremiah comes back in verse number 20. And he says, For ye dissembled in your hearts. Your motives were wrong. You were hypocritical in your hearts because you wanted me to pray, but you didn't care. What God was going to say, you had already made up your minds. Number one, the phony prayer. Number two, the authoritative answer. The authoritative answer. Notice verse number seven. Number one, the phony prayer. Number two, the authoritative answer. In verse number seven, and it came to pass after ten days that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. Then called he Johanan the son of Kerea and all the captains of the forces which were with him and all the people from the least even to the greatest. And said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him. If ye will still abide in the land. See, here was the thing. They, they had already made up their minds that they were going to go down into Egypt. They were afraid of what had just happened. Uh, The Chaldeans, the Babylonians had come. They had taken and deported many of their family members and their friends. They had taken them away. Now, by the way, if you go back to chapter 41, we don't have time for this this morning. But the the governor that Nebuchadnezzar had set up had been assassinated. And there's a lot of uh, other context here. But Johanan is scared. That's the idea. He's scared. He wants to go into Egypt. And he has already made up his mind. I'm not staying here. I'm going into Egypt. But the Bible says in verse number 9, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom you sent me to present your supplication before Him. If ye will still abide in this land, then 
Will I build you and not pull you down? And I will plant you and not pluck you up? For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show you mercy, or excuse me, I will show mercies unto you, that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. But if ye say, We will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will, excuse me, and there will we dwell. And now therefore hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there. See, here's the thing. God knew their heart. And so God giving this answer, He knows what they're already thinking. And so He's telling them, okay, if you'll do what I tell you, this is what's going to happen in verse number 11. I'm not going to, or excuse me, verse number 10. I'm not going to plant, or excuse me, I will plant you, but I'm not going to pluck you up. I'm not going to pull you down. I'm going to build you up. That's what I'm going to do. But if you don't listen, and if you've set your faces already, in verse number 15, to go into Egypt, verse 16, then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there ye shall die. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. For thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury have been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be fo- excuse me, poured forth upon you when you shall enter into Egypt." And you shall be in execration. That word execration, it it means the object of cursing. You're going to be be accursed, if you will. He said you're going to be in execration and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach. And you shall see this place no more. The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. Number one, we see the phony prayer. Number two, We see the authoritative answer. And what was the authoritative answer? Very simply, don't go into Egypt. Stay right here. Number three. Number one, the phony prayer. Number two, the authoritative answer. Number three. And this is the hard part right here. Number three, the devilish disobedience. See, Pastor, why do you call it that? Because there is disobedience and disobedience is bad. But this is devilish. This is demonic. Notice their answer. Look, if you would, at chapter number 43. And verse number 1. Actually, let's back up real quickly. We we didn't read the last two verses. We read verse 20 just a moment ago. But look at verse 21 in chapter 42. And now I have this day declared it to you, but ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which He hath sent me unto you. Know therefore now certainly... Or excuse me, know therefore, now therefore know certainly that ye shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place where ye desire to go and do sojourn. The phony prayer, the authoritative answer, number three, the devilish disobedience. Look at chapter number 43, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words. Now I want you to think with me just for a moment before we read on. Here's the man, here's Jeremiah. He's prophesied everything that's already happened to them, Right? 
He has, he has come and He has preached. He's told them what was going to happen. He, he cried for them to repent. He cried for them to listen. He cried in the gates of the temple. He cried for them to listen to God's messages. They wouldn't do it. And so now the Babylonians have come. They have captured. They have taken captive many of the people in Jerusalem and taken them back to Babylon. Don't you think he's someone we could listen to? Don't you think Jeremiah should be someone that now they would actually listen to? But look what the Bible says. Verse number 2. Then spake Azariah the son of Hoshai and Johanan the son of Kerea and all the proud men saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, setteth thee on against us, for to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they might, excuse me, that they might put us to death and carry us away captives into Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Kerea, and all the captains of the forces and all the people, obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Kerea, and all the captains of the forces, took all the remnant of Judah that were returned from all nations, whither they had been driven, to dwell in the land of Judah, even men and women and children and the king's daughters, and every person that Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah the prophet, prophet and Baruch, the son of Neriah. So they, came. they took everybody. They even took Jeremiah. They took everybody. And the Bible says in verse number 7, So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came they even to Tapanhez. They didn't obey. Now, you say, well, that wasn't really that bad, Pastor. Okay, look at chapter number 44. And look at verse number 15. Chapter 44, and verse. this is still the whole context. We're still in context here. Still the same story. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pethros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. But we will certainly, notice this, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, Ishtar, and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then, notice this, it's amazing. They said because when we did that, when we offered incense to the Queen of Heaven, when we poured out drink offerings to the Queen of Heaven, then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. You know what they're saying? They're not even recognizing that Jehovah God brought all of this punishment upon them because of their sin and because of their 
worshiping false gods, what they're saying is the queen of heaven, Ishtar, when we stopped worshiping her and pouring out drink offerings to her, that's when everything went bad. That's devilish. That's demonic. And I'm going to tell you what, we live in a nation like that today. We live in a nation where we have forgotten the one and only true God and we have capitulated to the culture. When I say we, I'm just talking about our nation. We have capitulated to the culture. And now everybody's afraid to say anything because they're going to get attacked if they say anything biblical about anything today. Look, the Bible will always stand. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what the White House thinks. It doesn't matter what Nashville, Tennessee thinks. God's Word will always stand. And he said in verse number 18, but since, or excuse me, uh, verse number 18 again, but since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings under her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? These ladies are saying our men were right there with us doing it as well. It wasn't just us. The devilish disobedience. Number one, the phony prayer. Number two, the authoritative answer. Number three, the devilish disobedience. God is faithful and true. And He always will be. That's why if the Lord doesn't come back, Maranatha Baptist Church in the next 75 years ought to still be doing the same thing. Ought to still be preaching the same message, the Bible. No matter the consequences, no matter the the, the trial or the persecution, because God's Word never changes. Because God is always faithful and true. And I know we, we, we have repeated that numerous times recently, but it's just true. God is faithful. He's trustworthy. His character is trustworthy. He is true. His counsel is nothing but truth. That's how He counsels. And when we set our faces against the truth of God's Word, when a nation sets their face against the truth of God's Word, And a nation says, you know what? We don't care what that Word says. We don't care what your old Bible says. We don't care what your old God says. We're going to do what comes out of our mouths, just like these ladies say here in Jeremiah chapter number 44. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to do what we think is right. That's demonic. That is devilish. Number one, the phony prayer. Number two, the authoritative answer. Number three, the devilish disobedience. Number four... We see the coming calamity. We see the coming calamity. Look back at chapter 43, verse number 8, verses 1 through 7. We read, they said, we're not going to obey you. We're not going to obey the voice of the Lord. Jeremiah, we're not going to obey anything, any word that you brought to us from God. We're not going to obey it. Look at verse 8, chapter 43 and verse 8. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah in Tapanaz, saying... Take great stones in thine hand and hide them in the clay in the brick kiln, which is at the entry of the Pharaoh's house in Tapanez, in the sight of the men of Judah. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne upon these stones that I have hid, and he shall spread his royal pavilion over them. He's getting ready to tell them, he said, Look, you're going to flee Jerusalem and go to Egypt because you think there's safety there. He said, You know what? Nebuchadnezzar's coming to Egypt. Babylon's coming to Egypt. Verse number 11, And when he cometh, he shall smite the land of Egypt and deliver such as are for death to death. 
and such as are for captivity to captivity, and such as are for the sword to the sword. And I will kindle a fire fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captives, and he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd putteth on his garment, and he shall go forth from thence in peace. He shall break also the images of Beth Shemesh that is in the land of Egypt, and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians shall he burn with fire. Continue in chapter 44, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews which dwell in the land of Egypt, which dwell at Migdol and at Tapanes and at Noph and in the country of Pethros, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Ye have seen all the evil that are brought upon Jerusalem and upon all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no man dwelleth therein. Because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, and that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they knew not, neither they, ye, nor your fathers. You didn't know these gods, but you went to worship them. He says, verse 4, Howbeit I sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, notice this. Look, what he, he says, I sent my prophets. And this is what they said. They, they pleaded with them, Oh, oh, do not this abominable thing that I hate. He's pleading with them, don't do it. Come out of that. But they hearkened not or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness to burn no incense unto other gods. Wherefore my fury and mine anger was poured forth and was kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as at this day. By the way, would you go back just real quickly to chapter 42? What did He tell them He would do for them if they stayed in Jerusalem? What did He tell them? He said, I will build you. And not pull you down, and I will plant you, and not pluck you up, for I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. He told them what He would do for them if they would stay, if they would obey. You see, many times you you preach a passage like this, and people say, oh man, he's just preaching about the wrath of God. Well, don't miss the blessing of God. Don't miss the blessing for obedience. Yes, there's punishment for, for, for disobedience. Yes, but here's the thing. God warns us. He doesn't just leave us here and, well, I'm not going to tell them anything and if they, if they do wrong, then I'm going to smash them. No, He tells us. He gives us warning. He gives us the blessing and the cursing. He shows us the blessing for obedience. He shows us the, the cursing, the execration for disobedience. He says in verse number 6, Wherefore my fury, we just read this a moment ago, and mine anger was poured forth and was kindled in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as at this day. Therefore now, thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, wherefore commit ye this great evil against your souls, to cut off from you man and woman, child and suckling out of Judah, to leave you none to remain, and that ye provoke me unto wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense unto other gods in the land of Egypt, whither ye be gone to dwell, that ye might cut yourselves off that he might be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten, he says, the wickedness of your fathers and the wickedness of the kings of Judah and the wickedness of their wives and your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives, which they have committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? They are not humbled even unto this day. 
Neither have they feared nor walked in my law nor my statutes that I set before you and before your fathers. We're talking about the coming calamity. He says in verse 11, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you for evil and to cut off all Judah. And I will take the remnant of Judah that have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to sojourn there, and they shall all be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They shall even be consumed by the sword and by the famine. They shall die from the least even to the greatest by the sword and by the famine, and they shall be an execration and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach. For I will punish them that dwell in the land of Egypt as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, so that none of the remnant of Judah which are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there shall escape or remain, that they shall return into the land of Judah to the which they have, excuse me, to the which they have a desire to return to dwell there. For none shall return but such... As shall escape. There are going to be a few who escape. And I believe the few that are going to escape are the ones that didn't go there of their own will. The ones that were made to go there. People like Jeremiah and Baruch. The coming catastrophe. Down at verse number 20. Actually, I'm not even going to read the rest of it. The coming catastrophe. The coming calamity. Simply... Because of their devilish disobedience. Because God is faithful and true. And He never changes. And I want to show you one verse. Look at verse 28 of chapter 44. Number one, the phony prayer. Number two, the authoritative answer. Number three, the devilish disobedience. You say, Pastor, that's not us. We'd never, I'd never serve the Queen of Heaven. I'd never serve Ishtar. But how often do we look into the Holy Word of God, God's Holy Bible, and we see things that are amiss in our own lives. And we walk away and we say, I don't want to do that. That's not that important to me. That's not a big deal to me. I think it's amazing that people who say that they're born again, say that they're saved, say there's been a moment in time when Jesus Christ washed away their sins... Individuals like that, who Jesus Christ has done everything for us, that we could ever have a, a spirit or an attitude of, you know what, I just don't care what Jesus Christ says. He paid it all. He did everything for us. And we would have such a complacent and apathetic attitude well, you know, that, that's a command, I know, but eh, not a big deal to me. It ought to be. It was a big deal to Jesus Christ to come and pay for your sin and my sin. It was a big deal for Him. Look at verse number 28, number 5. Number 5, we see the tried and true. Number 5, we see the tried and true. We see the phony prayer, the authoritative answer. The devilish disobedience, the coming calamity, and number five, the tried and true. In verse number 28, he says, Yet a small number that escaped the sword shall return out of the land of Egypt into the land of Judah. And all the remnant of Judah that are gone into the land of Egypt to sojourn there. Notice this. Shall know whose words shall stand. They're going to know because I'm faithful and true. In chapter number 42, verse number 5, they testified against themselves when they said that He was faithful and true. 
And here in verse number 28, the Lord is saying, you're going to know. Shall know whose words shall stand. Notice this. Mine or theirs. Mine or theirs. Those women who said, Jeremiah, we're not going to listen to you. Jeremiah, ever since we stopped worshiping the Queen of Heaven, everything has gone wrong. Jeremiah, we're not going to listen to the words that you have brought to us from God because we don't believe you. We believe that you prophesy falsely. Jeremiah, we're not going to listen. And God Almighty says, okay, but you're going to find out whose words shall stand. And you're going to find out that Jeremiah was prophesying truly and faithfully. You're going to find out whose words shall stand, mine or theirs. And I tell you what, church, today we need to stay faithful and true to God's Word because God is faithful and true because there will come a day, whether it's here upon this earth or whether it's there, people are going to see whose words shall stand. And we cannot, we cannot compromise because the culture compromises and we cannot compromise because other churches compromise and we cannot let down on what the Bible says about any issue just because we say, well, it's 2023, things are different. You're going to be persecuted if you say that. I heard a preacher preaching recently and he said that he had a pastor call him and he said, look, hey brother, I know. He said, you put all of your messages online. He said, I've taken all my messages offline. He said, because the things we preach, boy, he said, if people hear what we preach, he said, we're going to get some persecution. And the guy was like, put them online. What are you afraid of? People need to hear the truth. Some of them may not like it. Some of them may mock it. And some of them may be demonic and devilish like these people in Jeremiah 44. But people need to hear it. People need the truth. Because God is faithful and true. Well, brother, you just, we're just gonna, you, there's just persecution's going to come. If you just put everything out there and all your messages... Hey, put them all out there. What are we worried about? By the way, back, back up to chapter 42 again. Verse number 11. Here's the authoritative answer that comes to Johanan and all of these individuals. In verse number 11, he said, Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Johanan, I know you're afraid. But don't be afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. Why? Answer's right there. For I am with you to save you. Johanan, I know you're afraid because of what's going on. But I'm telling you, don't go into Egypt because there's going to come a day when, when Nebuchadnezzar, when Babylon's going to go into Egypt and he's going to do the same thing he did to Jerusalem. You better stay right where you're at. And if you'll stay, I'll build you up. I'll plant you. I'll not pluck you up. I'll not pull you down. He said, I am with you to save you and to deliver you from. He said, what are we scared of? Seriously, we, we ought not be scared of anything. Here's what we ought to be scared of if we go away from what the Bible says. If we go away from the words of the Lord. Because when Jeremiah came to the people, that's exactly what he gave them. The words of the Lord. Hey, if the Lord wills, and in 75 years, in 20, what would that be? 75 more years, 2098. Can you imagine that? 2098. The Maranatha Baptist Church is still here if the Lord hasn't come back. 
You know, there ought to be a young man standing behind this pulpit still declaring, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Without fear or without favor, he needs to be saying, Thus saith the Lord. By the way, he still needs to be preaching Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever, whosoever, God's gospel is a whosoever gospel. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That young man ought to still be preaching. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 14 through 16. In verse number 14 it begins and it says, As obedient children. As obedient children. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Seventy-five years from now, there ought to be a congregation of people still separated, still consecrated to God Almighty, still living holy lives, still preaching holiness, because it's in the Bible. Well, holiness, Pastor, that just divides people. Truth divides we don't desire for it to. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I don't leave people. People leave me. Because I'm still preaching what the Bible says. And if, if that offends, most of the time they just quietly stop returning my messages. Pastor, does that hurt? Absolutely. But I still ain't moving. They left, not me. They quit being who they said they were, not me. They quit being a Bible believer, not me. They quit preaching holiness. They quit preaching against sin. They quit preaching that Jesus Christ had to come because of sin. And now they preach everything is just covered by a big blanket of grace. And praise God for a big blanket of grace. But it doesn't condone my sin. And it doesn't encourage me to sin. And it doesn't affirm that which is wicked and demonic and devilish. In 75 years, I pray that the Great Commission will still be being fulfilled. There'll still be people who gather here, whether it's on a Saturday or whenever it is Saturday. There's no magical thing about Saturday at 10 o'clock. But it is the time when we corporately meet to go out and to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if you have some scary situations, right, Ms. Pam? Ooh, boy, they had a situation yesterday. Hey, can I tell you, Demonism is still real. Demonic activity is still real. That's why people need the truth. 75 years ago, not years ago, but 75 years in the future, 75 years from now, I pray that there's still a congregation full of husbands and wives who love each other and are raising their children to love their God and to love the Word of God. And one day raising their sons to one day marry a young lady and raising their young ladies to one day marry a man.
because that's the biblical way. Because he's faithful and true. And he says, there's going to come a day when you're going to see whose word shall stand. Mine or theirs. And I'm just telling you right now, God says, my word is tried and true. As for God, his way is perfect. It's tried and true. And one day you will see. And so that's why it behooves us that we never leave from the truth. It also behooves us to never leave for the truth so that when people figure it out and want to come back to the truth, there's still people who are there who still believe the truth. And they still have a place to come back. By the way, that's why we don't burn bridges when people leave. Because eventually we want them to come back. When they see the truth for what it is, we want them to come back. Now they may burn the bridge, but we never should. Speak truth? Yes. And in their mind, that may have burned the bridge because you preach truth. But just preach truth. And always leave the door open for somebody to come back because eventually, they will see whose word shall stand. God's or theirs. Every single one of us. I'm done. Every single one of us. We have opinions. And they're just that. But God, His word, His thoughts are faithful and true. Faithful and true. That's why we don't give up what God's Word says in the year 2023. And there's pressure to do that, isn't there? Yes. We went up about three years ago, I think it was about three years ago in the fall, we went up to New England for vacation with our family. And I'm going to tell you what, if we saw one, we saw a hundred pride flags hanging outside of churches in New England. That's wicked. That's demonic. And that's devilish. Because that is, goes directly against God's Word. And so when we make the statement, well, that, that does, that's not happening, Pastor. Churches aren't condoning uh, pride flags and they're not condoning homosexuality and they're not condoning that agenda and they're not condoning abortion and they're not condoning all those things. Oh, yes, they are. Yes, they are. And that's why in 75 years, I was going to say one of these young men, but they'll be old by then, won't they? They probably won't be here either. One of their children or their grandchildren still be preaching about the faithful and true God. He's faithful and true. And there will be a day, and it may frustrate us now because people don't see it, but there will come a day when people will realize whose word shall stand. Mine, and I'm not talking about me, it's God speaking there. He said, mine or theirs. And it will be His. Because He's faithful and true. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Father, thank You for the Word that shows us first and foremost how to be saved. Makes us wise unto salvation, the Apostle Paul says. 
But Father, it doesn't stop there. It teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to be holy. It teaches us that we have a great commission. It teaches us that we're to be good husbands and good daddies. We're to be good wives and good mothers. We're, we're, we're to be obedient children. We're to be good church family members. We're to be good citizens. Father, it's your word. And it's faithful and true because that's who you are. Father, may we be a people this morning who just simply stay faithful and true to your word because it is faithful and true. Help us never to back up. Father, help us never to bend on what your word says. Father, help us to preach it with clarity and with truth. And let come what may. Because we know that you're with us. We don't have to be afraid. So help us this morning. Lord, I don't know hearts. I don't know what we need to deal with this morning. But Father, I do pray if there's one here today without Christ, I pray that they would be saved today. Father, if there's a believer who's been bending a little bit, who's been backing up a little bit on your word, Father, help them this morning to see that, hey, there, there's you build up, you plant, you don't pluck down, you don't pull down those who obey. Oh, but there's coming calamity for devilish disobedience. Help us with that today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Joe's at the piano. She's going to begin to play. If you need to come, come. If you're here without Christ today, you need to come. If death were to take you today and you're not sure if heaven would be your home, you need to come. By the way, that's visitor, that's church member. If you have any doubt at all in your heart about eternity, and if the thought of that scares you to death, you need to settle that today because here's the truth. There's a real heaven. That's the wonderful thing. There's the real hell. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They'll spend eternity in the glories of heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior. But those who reject and they try to do it in their own way and in their own fashion and make their own way to heaven. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 20 that they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's Bible. That's God's Word. It's not my Word. It's God's Word. And God is not a man that He should lie. He is faithful and true. Friend, if, you, if you're not sure about that, you need to come. Believer, how about you this morning? How about it, Dad? You going to stay true to God's Word? Going to let up a little bit to appease the kids? You going to let up a little bit to appease your wife or vice versa? No, no, no. He's faithful and true. Now, it doesn't matter what our family thinks. It doesn't matter what society thinks. Now, it does matter in the sense that we ought to live in such a way as to be a light to them. But when it comes to the Word of God, it doesn't matter if they agree or disagree with us. If it's God's Word, we just simply need to say, Amen, I agree. Amen, I agree. God, I agree with you. I don't agree with my opinion. I don't agree with... I don't have to agree with the college that I went to per se. 
God, if they taught something that's different than what your word says, I need to agree with you. Moms and dads, that's why it's, it, it's so vital that we make sure we teach our children what the Bible says. It's principles, it's precepts, it's statutes, it's commandments. Not our own opinions, but what the Bible says. Jesus paid it all, the song said. All to Him I owe. Hey, believer, He paid it all. We owe Him everything. It's our reasonable service, the Bible says. Sin had left a crimson stain. And you washed it white as snow. Amen. Let's pray we'll be dismissed. Thank you so much for your attention, for your attendance today. 5.15 for the kids this afternoon, 4.45 for choir. And then we'll be right back in here at 6 o'clock tonight for the service. Let's pray this morning. We'll be dismissed and we'll look forward to seeing you tonight. Brother Rick Jurdak, would you pray for us please?